everybody, angry Christians and non-angry Christians. We just welcome you back to episode two of our second season here on the Angry Christian Podcast. It's hard to believe that we are now, um, I guess this makes nine full episodes into this. And uh, just a quick uh, stat here. Our last, our first episode for season two came out last Tuesday, which was... Uh, we, we were talking about the battle of the ages, and uh, it's only been a, a week and a day since we released it. It's already at almost 300 downloads. Woohoo! Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, before, it would take us several months, or at least a whole month, to get to 300 downloads, and now it's taken a week, which is, in my opinion, I think that's a, a good sign. Well, it's uh, definitely working because I was attacked by an old lady in a parking lot who told me to mind my own business, so... Really? Yeah. She, she listened to the podcast? Uh, either that or she just didn't like the way I looked at it. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure she listened to the podcast. I'm going to go listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no old ladies assaulted me in the making of this. That's good. I was going to have to say you might need to report that. Um, <laughs> age is no discrimination when it comes to assault. I don't um, know. If I can't handle an old lady trying to take me on, I, I've got bigger issues. I didn't want to say anything, but since you brought that up, um, <laughs> might need to go take some self-defense classes. Uh, how to fend off angry old people. Um, no, uh, tonight we are going to breach the taboo subject of politics, and we have uh, tentatively labeled this episode Not My President. Um, I'm not saying not my president because I don't believe that Donald J. Trump is not my president, but that is just a phrase that we hear a lot from people who um, don't agree with Trump or don't like Trump, but actually... Oh, it's not just Trump, yeah. No, it happened under Obama, too. Exactly. exactly. Um, I remember people, thing. Christians were big on saying that Obama was not my president, and so I'm calling it not my president just because it's... It's representative, in my opinion, of the political division that we have here in America. So, But before we get into our topic for tonight, I do want to give a quick shout out uh, to Jason and Chris over at the Salty Dogs podcast. Huzzah! Uh, huzzah! They brought me on last night um, to record, do a Facebook live stream, no less, which is always awkward video live stream which is even worse i hate seeing myself on screen yeah me too it's, it's bad enough to hear oh, my sorry. voice <laughs> sorry i didn't mean hate to see you well that was, yeah that was harsh that was harsh man that was harsh um no it's, it's bad enough to hear my voice much less to see my face and hear my voice at the same time so um no but we talked about uh church hurt and anger and um i think it was an interesting um it was an interesting episode, and actually, I, I wrote a follow-up, uh, just like a little post today, kind of thinking about something I had said on the show last night, which was that I can't hold people accountable uh, for wounds that were inflicted on me that they did not inflict on me. Wait, what? You can't? No. I know it sounds shocking, but basically, um, that was something I had done over the years, and I'm sure a lot of Christians and other people in general have done, which is hold others accountable for wounds that they did not inflict on them. And uh, it's, Why, it's that sounds like politics. I know it's it, it is kind of uh, 
apropos, but um, it it is something actually. It's a long, not a long post, but long post for Facebook. Um, it would be a short blog entry. But the Salty Dogs podcast has asked, reached out to me this morning. They saw that and they asked if they would, if it would be okay for them to take that and post it on their blog site as a guest post on their blog. Um, and so now I'm, uh, I will be uh, a part of their episode and now a part of their blog for this week. So that's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't go in there just representing myself. I Hopefully you guys see it as uh, me being kind of an ambassador for the Angry Christian podcast and representing all of us. Um, obviously, it would probably be a lot to have all five of us uh, try to crash their um, podcast. Um, We're kind of a small army. Yeah. We are a small army, uh, a small, loud, angry little army. And uh, But I, I just wanted to say to those guys, thank you so much for letting me come out onto your show. Um, it was really fun. It was interesting to watch and see how a video podcast is put together. Um, Jason has actually, they designed, if anybody watched it, um, Jason personally designed their whole stage setup, if you will. So he put a whole background in there um, that he built and soundproofed the room. And they they just, they really go all out. And so I think they do a great job. And um, we're hoping and that other things will come of this, that we'll be able to partner with them in a lot of uh, things in the future. We how all that shakes out. But thank you guys for that. So. Well, and I, I'll say I did watch it. And uh, yeah, all you guys did a great job. And uh, that set is super nice. It looks like a uh, radio sound booth. Yeah, I think if I recall correctly, I believe it's a space in their church facility um, that he is outfitted for podcasts. It's actually a big room, and it's, he's got several different areas in the room set up for different purposes. Um, I think there's another set he set up for making videos for the church. Um, so it's pretty. It's and if pretty you cool. haven't listened to it, uh, you should. When did you say it's going live? I believe they are launching it next Tuesday. Excellent. So go check out Salty Dogs Podcast. Go check it out now, but then go check out next Tuesday's episode. Yep, and if you want to find out, they are at www.saltydogspodcast.com, and you will find all their episodes there, find out a little bit about who the hosts are, and be able to see uh, my little guest blog that will be showing up probably next week as well. So... Um, Anyway, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And on with the show. So we are talking about politics. Uh, I think it. I didn't even know that there was this happening tonight. But when I when you reached out to the group and said we're recording tonight, what's the topic? Um, I said it's down to one of two things. I said it's either marriage or politics. Um, I said if we do marriage, though, I wanted to try and schedule our wives to be on there or at least a couple of our wives to be on there let's just be honest politics is easier politics is easier (laughs) (laughs) right now my wife is giving me the stink eye from the other side of the room see see done It's, it's proof in the pudding but um yeah so we wanted to talk about marriage and we will be doing that and that was michael's idea he wanted to do it around valentine's day and we didn't we ended up going with um the other topic of of young versus old, but we will be hitting the marriage topic. Um, if we do it in May, that'll be around my wedding anniversary. So that works out well. <laughs> it might, it might not. Uh, that's true. It'll be 15 <laughs> years though. That'll 15. be an interesting anniversary. We'll just it would be. 
15 years of marriage in May. So uh, that's a pretty big deal. And uh, But anyway, hoping to bring our wives on. Every one of us on the podcast is married. Every one of us has amazing wives that have amazing perspectives that we want to bring into that episode. So, uh, sweetheart, just go ahead and start writing down some ideas about marriage and uh, make sure to to get those notes to me so I can proofread them. Well, and, and, and now that you mentioned that, uh, it's a good time to tell our listeners uh, to make sure that you comment. If you have questions for something that we've mentioned as an upcoming episode, throw them in there. Absolutely. Put together the material and to hit key points that uh, are of interest to you all. And actually, we have a private Facebook group that you can join um, where you can engage in conversation with us, with other listeners, um, and bring ideas. And, and sometimes those discussions inform what we're going to talk about. So uh, get engaged. That is free. That's, that is free. So I'm just throwing that out there. And speaking of getting engaged, <laughs> if you are not a registered voter in the United States of America and you are a U.S. citizen, you must register because we're going to talk about what that means. Mm-hmm. Because politics is the flavor for tonight. So when I, back to, now that we circle back around, um, the whole reason that we chose or that I landed on politics uh, was because you had asked what we were going to do. And those were kind of the top things in our little sh uh, episode topics channel where we kind of talk about what we want to do. And after I said, we're going to do politics, I later found out that tonight is the Democrat debate or one of the Democrat debates. So I thought that was interesting. So Michael and I, before the show started recording, uh, we actually were watching a little bit, um, just kind of laughing. And um, just because of the absurdity, not just of the Democrat Party, let's just be real. Politics in general has become a circus freak show. And um, there's, there's just so much that can be said about where politics was and where it's gone and, and, and maybe we'll touch on a lot of that, but uh, generally speaking, um, politics is something that has become quite a bit of a divisive conversation. Um, you remotely suggest that you agree with Donald Trump on something and you're going to be immediately labeled a racist or, or a bigot. Um, if you, say that you agree with Obama or Hillary Clinton on something, you're suddenly going to be labeled a, a liberal. You say you agree with Bernie Sanders on something, even if you're not a supporter of his, somebody's going to call you a communist. Um, it's just going to happen. And that is the political nature of, of the American society today. And it makes it really difficult to really engage in any meaningful political discussions. Um, because it immediately becomes a fight. Uh, just go on any social media, Facebook page, Twitter, thread, anywhere, Reddit, and just voice a political opinion and watch the crap show that takes place. Oh, yeah. Sometimes just stirring the waters is, is worth the, uh, the <laughs> price of admission. Right? It's, it, it costs you nothing. Just go on there and say, I support pro-life legislation just say those words don't even throw anything else in there and you will be uh ramrodded over the head with uh, with all sorts of fun things and um 
politics is an area that uh, I know that you have a special affinity for. Because um, I do. Back in college, what was your degree that you were seeking uh, after? Poli sci. What a stupid, stupid idea that was. <laughs> See, Michael had <laughs> visions of grandeur that one day he be the president of the United States of America. Then I grew up and knew better why well, I want to be president of the United States of America. He got wise, and that is why we call him Michael the Wise. Um, so needless to say, he this is an area that he's probably always had a fascination with. Um, it is an area that, for me, I have not always had a fascination with. Back in college, um, if you had asked me who was president, I could probably tell you that much, and that would be about it. I could tell you it was George Bush, <laughs> the second one. Um, <laughs> what policies he enacted, I have no clue. Um, I didn't care. Um, I voted for him because he was the conservative, and I grew up in a conservative home, and so as a good conservative Christian boy, you voted Republican. Um, there was no questions asked. You just did it, and that's what I did. I voted for um, George Bush. Uh, then in 20... Uh, what was it when it was uh, Obama versus Mitt Romney? I voted for Mitt Romney um, again with the with the whole I'm a conservative and I couldn't lean on Christian because he's Mormon. Right. So I, I had to lean on. He he agrees with me on the conservative ideals. And so I voted for him over Obama. Um, so. That was kind of my platform. It was like, well, you're a conservative, you're a Republican. Clearly, you're on God's party, so I'm going to vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what GOP stands for. Right? That's right, God's old party. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> clearly, everybody knows that God has his favorite political party, um, and it starts with the Republican, and and that's totally a lie. And if you think I'm being serious, uh, go. Go look at some of my Facebook posts. Um, but uh, seriously, I had no clue, didn't care, wasn't interested. Several years ago, however, though, somewhere between Mitt Romney and um, <laughs> Mitt Romney and uh, the election of Donald Trump, um, I had a political awakening, I guess, and I started getting engaged in politics at a pretty heavy level. In fact. I went from not giving uh, two rats behinds about politics to helping with a campaign for a guy who was running against Mark Sanford. So uh, it was like, you know what? I'm going to go from not knowing anything to just jumping in with both feet and supporting somebody like so much so that I went to his office and made phone calls for him. Pretty big jump. That was a big jump. Um, you know, I, I went from there and I started getting engaged in, um, pro-life legislation and went to the state Senate house here in South Carolina. And I, I testified before the Senate um, in, on behalf of the, uh, what was it? Um, it was an amendment we were going to make to the constitution, basically to the South Carolina, um, whatever they call that. Anyway, right. we were going to make an amendment that said that, uh, life began at birth. Basically, it's right. the personhood bill is what it was called, personhood. Um, so I testified there, and uh, then I would attend all sorts of political rallies several times throughout the year, standing outside of the South Carolina State House, promoting pro-life and 
uh, traditional marriage and all these fun things. And I just got very involved. Um, not only did I get involved physically in a very real present sense, but I also started becoming what everybody fears. And that is the social media warrior and uh, began to take to the uh, various social media platforms and berating everybody who was clearly wrong because they were Democrat. Um, yes, wielding your double-edged keyboard with the ferocity of a teenager. <laughs> of a teenager, <laughs> yes. And I, I mentioned on the Salty Dogs podcast, but I want to mention it here tonight too. Um, if you want to know what I looked like, go watch J.P. Sears' video about social media warrior. <laughs> I've that. <laughs> that was me. That, that oh, was so me. That, wrong. <laughs> that, that was so me, man. I, uh, yeah. So his is satire, but it was very close to reality. Um, as, as I transitioned throughout my life uh, in the last few years, politics became like a major thing for me. So like, a couple years ago, the Democrat debate, I wouldn't even be recording this right now because I'd be like, guys, I got to watch the Democrat debate so I can make fun of them on social media and and mock their policies and give a play-by-play on how ridiculous they sound. That was me a couple years ago. Um, and I would do it during the Republican one as well. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy's not Ted Cruz. He's clearly a lunatic. Um you know, and and then I would go around and I would uh, use a, my biblical cudgel. So I had two biblical cudgels that I would beat people with. Um, the primary one, though, was Exodus eighteen twenty one. <laughs> and if anybody is not familiar, I will read it for you. And this is what it says: uh, "But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes." Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,150 and 10. Now, I use that as God's uh, stamp of, of approval for uh, voting here in America. Yeah, um, not excessively specific to Israel or anything. No, and, you know, and, I, and not just specific that, but even more specific, it was Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, giving him advice uh, for how to... Um, basically judge the people. It, it actually had nothing to do with passing laws as much because the law was already passed. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this had more to do with um, judging disputes between people, right? Yep. Um, so Moses was getting inundated with, with people coming to him and saying, hey, so-and-so down here stole my basket of bread. And, and this guy would be like, no, I didn't. You, you loaned it to me. And, you know, and Moses was just getting all of these crazy things coming to him that he was having to judge these these instances and and bring peace. And Jethro's like, dude, you're killing yourself. Um, what you need to do is select from all the people, capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes, appoint them as leaders over groups of several different groups of a thousand, hundred, fifty, and ten, and and let them take care of the small, stupid stuff, basically. Um, and then that frees you up to focus on the more uh, significant, important matters of Israel. And um, that was my that was my club. And I would go around and I'd be like, 
you know, anybody who was a Donald Trump supporter, I was like, oh, you're clearly anti scripture. You you hate God and and <laughs> you clearly oh, don't. Oh, oh. Yeah, you, said it, you, know. <laughs> you don't you don't know what the Bible says about selecting capable people uh, and, and voting for the right people. This is what it says. It's clear. There's one verse in the whole of the Bible <laughs> that that couldn't be more clear. I don't understand how you're so blind and ignorant. Um, yeah. And I just, I would use it. I'd swing it. And, and I got so many people who would react to me uh, and call me arrogant and prideful and um, a whole slew of other things. And, and yeah. And then I would just say, no, I'm not arrogant and prideful. I just know what God's word says. And you clearly don't. <laughs> oh, Oh, yeah. the burn on that one coming back on you is mm. yeah. So um, now here's what I I will caveat all of what I just said by saying this: I do believe that Exodus eighteen twenty one is a good template for how we should choose leaders. Um, as Christians, we should look for people who are capable, honest, fear God, and aren't going to be bribed. Um, well, actually, uh, it's actually a template for, if you go back and look at the establishment of the federal judicial system, it's yeah. one of the areas that was that, that is identified um, where we, the uh, Jewish court system, similar to, is very similar to what we established, and it's based off of those. People want to say that there is no Judeo-Christian basis for our government. Right. Um, it's going to be hard for me in this to not get into a lot of minutia. So I'm going to try my best to just skirt it as best you, as possible. Do what you say, got to do. Yeah. To say that, yes, there is a Judeo-Christian foundation to our nation. Right. However, it is not the only foundation to our nation. Um, it, it is a piece of it. To deny that it is a piece of it is to uh, feign ignorance of history. And to say that it is the only piece of that is also to feign ignorance history so um so both sides are technically right uh the the um degree to which it is part of our system depends on which uh forefather you're looking at really um, <laughs> yeah uh, so overall my uh study my understanding and and breakdown the more founding fathers had a Judeo-Christian perspective than did not. Um, however, some of the most uh, uh, pivotal, such as Thomas Jefferson, uh, did not necessarily have a Judeo-Christian outlook. It was a right. piece of their principle, but you would not, you would not uh, necessarily call them Christians. So, <laughs> right. that being said, our judicial system is set up based on uh, that principle in Exodus. Uh, uh, and that goes back to, to what you were saying there. Uh, that was a side note uh, in that regard. But, you know, it is the basis for us choo choosing judges. And you're right, it is a great template uh, to identify what we should be looking for in leaders. Those judges were the law... The law was the Ten Commandments, the law given to Moses in Deuteronomy. Right. Um, and, uh, and so Israel had established a law, and the judges were simply to make decisions based off that law to determine 
yes or no in disputes, plain and simple. Right. And that is supposed to be as clear as our judicial system is. We have a law. Judges are supposed to determine yes or no based on the law. And that's the end of it. Of course, it's gone majorly haywire from there to where we have activist judges making law from by fiat from the bench. Right. Um, where checks and balances have gotten out of whack. But that's the intent. Right. Agreed. In fact, um, if anybody is familiar with what is called the Webster's Dictionary, um, the guy who basically wrote that first, Noah Webster, back in the early 1800s, he actually cited uh, Exodus 18.21 as the template for godly leadership in America. Um, And so he was not a founding father, but he was definitely an influential person of the time. Um, and he was, he was defining words and writing them down in his dictionary. And, and so he, he was recording these things. So he was recording worldview at the time. Right. And he wasn't that separated from the foundation, uh, of, of the country. Um, he probably knew people who were alive at the time. Right. So, right. uh, it, it wasn't like he just pulled that out of a hat, you know, so, I, I, like I said, uh, the problem, I guess, comes in when you take the template and then you use it as a club on people who don't agree with your template. Um, and I, you know, I, I still would maintain that I think as Christians, we all should have some similarity in our worldview with regards to how we choose our leaders. Um, but probably don't need to be the social media warrior that I was and, and clubbing people every chance I got. Um, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I will say that part of the motivating factor to that was uh, when I would do those things, post those things, um, this sounds crazy, but I was motivated because I would get 200, 300 comments on a post of mine. Um, and it would just spark this huge debate every time I did it. And I kind of got a little, uh, I don't know. It fed the fire, right? And I would go, I'm, clearly I must be hitting a nerve if, if all these people are responding and reaching out and talking and yelling and screaming because clearly I'm hitting a spot for them that's conviction because <laughs> I'm the Holy Spirit. And it just was, uh, it became a lot. <laughs> um, and when uh, the last... Within the last two years, as I've had my angry Christian epiphany and awakening, uh, I I realized that politics was an area in my life that I needed to separate myself from. Uh, I didn't separate from politics. In other words, I still watch it. I still pay attention. Um, I'm still trying to remain informed. But instead of being the gigantic loudmouth about my views and, and various things I've, I've internalized a little bit more um, because I, I just found that it, it didn't really benefit anything because of how politically divided we were. Um, and there are very few people who actually want to have a legitimate um, conversation about it. Um, so right or wrong, that's the, tr- that's the decision I've made uh, is to kind of step back from it and not be as vocal. Um, but I think you probably agree. We've seen it on several of your own social media 
posts where you're not even necessarily vocalizing a political viewpoint. Um, oh, yeah, but people want to vote for there. Absolutely. And people <laughs> jump in there and suddenly, you know, they're, you're a Nazi fascist, whatever, and you're just going, holy smokes, like, where did that come from? Exactly. Uh, and the thing is, uh, you know, the way that my brain works, I, I usually know when I post something, I know what kind of response it's going to elicit out of certain folks. I know the ones that are going to take it as I mean it, and then I know the ones that are going to try to take it off in another direction um, and make it their own. Right. Um, and that's just the that's just the nature of social media. That's why, I, you know, I joke about the fact that I uh, thought about running for office and, and then I pulled away from that. You know, the reality is, had I made certain other choices, I think I probably would have still because uh, I have the same answer today that I had back then when people said, why do you want to run for office? And the answer was because I don't trust anybody else to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can control my own decisions and right. I, I believe now I'm not perfect and I'm not some sort of saint, but I believe that the decisions that I make um, and I think I've back it up um, with with folks that work for me and so on that the decisions I make I try to make for the greater good they're not um, made uh, haphazardly with my own opinion in mind sure my opinions established off of scriptural truths and the things that I've experienced in this world uh, in different countries in our country primarily so so yeah I mean if it comes down to it, the reality is I would run simply because I don't I don't trust anybody else to because I've been let down so many doggone times by people I thought meant were going to stand behind their word. Now there are people right. that did did stand behind their word that I that I have uh, respect for that other people look at as absolute devils. <laughs> I kind of I laugh at it because they did what they said they were going to do. And people treat them like devils for doing what they said they were going to do. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It, it's funny. You, they get mad. The average individual involved in politics gets mad when someone lies, but then they get mad when somebody tells the truth. Right. I look at our current president, and he's a prime example. Uh, I, I let's talk about our current president. Let's talk about. Our current president, um, I think he's done a lot of good. Right. He's done some really stupid stuff. I think no. that overall, he's been protected from a lot of the really stupid stuff. Um, and to go into detail on those, I mean, the whole deal with the Ukrainian call, that was a stupid move. Was it an <laughs> impeachable offense? Probably Absolutely not. not. No, not under the... Uh, the spirit of what impeachment was intended for right. by the forefathers. It was absolutely not. Um, the Even back when Bill Clinton was impeached, it was questionable. He did uh, lie under oath, uh, which was the offense itself. People think it was the other reason we won't discuss. Cigars. It actually, yeah, it was actually about the Paula Jones case and, and perjuring himself. But regardless of that, again, that was questionable as to the high crimes and misdemeanors um, uh, intent. 
in President Trump's case, that was not there. Um, it was a long shot, and it was a political move, plain and simple. Um, now, was it stupid? Absolutely, it was stupid. Uh, you know everything under the sun is recorded. You know that you've got to watch your how you say things when you're talking international relations, especially with a language barrier. Of course, right. you've got translators and, and whatnot, but, geez, use some common sense. Uh, and that seems to be what's lacking a good deal uh, in, in this particular president. And right. I do say president because he, he is my president. He just is like, our president. Just yep. like Barack Obama was my president. Right. Even though Barack Obama and I are complete polar opposites on ideological issues regarding uh, the sanctity of life, um, regarding uh, uh, many other things, uh, approaches to military, uh, all sorts of different issues. Uh, President Trump and I agree on some of those, and we disagree on a lot right. of things. Just like George W. Bush. I, uh, George W. Bush, I agreed with many things. I voted for him. But the uh, Patriot Act was one of the worst things that ever came out of that administration as, a, as an answer to 9-11. Sure, um, yep, I would agree. Basically stripping uh, American people of their freedom. And we have forgotten about it since. I mean, in, in all honesty, we've just kind of, we've adapted. That's what people don't realize about the decisions that we make through time. If you make a decision today, if people people typically, uh, especially older people, will say, "Well, we just roll with the punches." Well, the problem <laughs> is you roll with the punches long enough that you get punch drunk and you stop forgetting that you got hit in the first place. Right. And that's very very indicative of our culture because we have a very short memory, and so when we give up a freedom, we forget that we ever had it, and uh, and we are we are fighting for the freedoms that our forefathers established. Now, right. those freedoms, we hold these truths to be self-evident, right? Do we, actually? And is it actually scriptural that all men are created equal? Well, I believe that 120%. I think scripture is very clear on that. Mm -hmm. um, the scriptures that were used to defend slavery back in the day have been utterly and completely debunked. They were debunked then. Mm -hmm. um, they were debunked prior to that. I mean, the issue of you trying to use scripture to uh, to approve of certain actions has been an issue from from the beginning of the church. Right. Uh, Paul addressed it great uh, in great detail to to letters to the churches. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the letter First Thessalonians. Where Paul was warning them that they were they were on a slippery slope of trying to make um, make the scripture fit what they wanted it to, but in either case, it's been an issue through time, uh, sure. and, and it is an issue now. We look at uh, <clears throat> all right here we get our hot button issues: um, <laughs> homosexual marriage, um, uh, abortion, uh, uh, immigration, so many things. There healthcare. are healthcare, yeah, Borders. Uh, welfare, yeah, exactly. There, there are things sometimes in great detail, sometimes in in smaller detail. There are things said about all of this in scripture. 
Yeah. Um, and we as believers are supposed to go to Scripture. Well, we're finding more and more that we as believers are going to Scripture and picking out the pieces we want. Take, for instance. We're not going to Scripture first. We're, we're going to Scripture second to support the decision or the opinion that we've already come to. Exactly, exactly. And we use it in our politics. So, for instance, let's take the, the favorite, the, the current favorite of, of anyone that wants anybody to do anything they want. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 1. Uh, Judge not, lest ye be judged. That's it. That's, right. That's where it ends, right? No, there's like 80 other verses. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. That's it. That's, that's it. We, we're done. We, we got what we wanted. We're done. We don't have to dig any deeper. Yeah. We don't have to dig into the part that talks about how we're supposed to judge or the fact that it's not, a, it's not a, an abs- absolving of judgment. It is a saying you have to be fair in how you judge because you're going to be judged with the same, uh, the same parameter. Measure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Forget all said, that. With the measure yeah. that you judge, you will be judged as well. Exactly. Forget all that. No, no, no. Judge not, lest you be judged. We're good. We can move on with our lives and all live how we want to live because you can't judge me. Right. No, forget the fact that we have established what is and isn't Christian living in Scripture to given to us as a tool to make a judgment call. Now, does that mean you walk around and wag your finger at everybody and go, Hey, uh, uh, you're eating meat on the Sabbath, and and you're dancing with your uh, with your uh, jewelry on your belly button. Uh, yes, you should. I, I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> people have just lost their minds when it comes to wanting what they want, and that's what politics has turned into. Uh, the whole in, the whole intent of politics is for the the uh uh what am i trying to say the the whole the the community the nation the the state the community all of it when we talk about politics and we talk about our representative republic we talk about uh, the whole well we don't do that anymore now we talk about this group that group and what that this group and that group breaks down to is me and my little clique, and then ultimately me. Right. That's what that's what our politics has devolved to is a selfish ambition of each little one to say their piece and have their way, plain and simple. Right. It's not about the greater good. No, and it used to be that that the idea was you have a giant round table and everybody comes to the table with their worldview and and their recommendation for moving forward. Now it's like you've got the round table, but you're only welcome at the table so long as you agree with the person next to you. Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't agree, then you're clearly, um, you know, uh, whatever terms they want to throw at you. Well, and it's not even a round table anymore. It's a triangle where you have heads of different portions at the, at, at each corner. And yeah. then, your lower caste, uh, you know, they, they get fed a little bit of the bread as they go along. And these uh, action groups, these uh, Republicans and Democrats, so I guess you can't say it's a triangle. It's, mm-hmm. it's a line. <laughs> it's a long table. 
Um, One long line. Right. You got your Republicans and your Democrats, and they're they are literally playing a tug of war, uh, not for what's the greater good, but for what's going to get them ahead for the next round or the, the greater next power. round of the boxing match. Exactly. It's yeah. a constant boxing match. Nobody ever goes down, but the people in the middle are the ones taking the blows. And I wonder, you know, just thinking about that analogy or that that picture that you just gave of the the rope tug of war. Do you believe that the political division that we face in our countries, did it start at the top and trickle down or did it get there because we were already divided and we put people in office um, who continued to uh, feed into our existing division because they knew it would, one, it would get them the popular vote. <laughs> um, or I'm, I'm just curious of how, how and when this whole political division thing Started. I mean, there's always going to be division to some degree because when you're voting for people, even all the way back to George Washington, you know, there was some division at the beginning of our nation because uh, Americans at the time wanted a king. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and they George wanted Washington George Washington to be that be king. king. Yeah. Right. And so there was already some division over what that government should look like. And that was after they had already written a you know, a declaration of independence from a king, and now they're like, we want another. Well, even king. even the declaration of independence, the declaration of independence was uh, was re- written and rewritten and and argued over extensively. As a matter of fact, if certain events had not taken place that irked the ire of uh, of certain holdout uh, uh, colonies, uh, we would have never even sent the declaration of independence. That's um, true. Everything had to fall into place at the perfect time. Right. So, um, to answer your question, I think that our information age um, has increased the uh, the uh, solidification. Well, yeah, the solidification of each each group in their party. Because back in the day, back in my grandfather, or your grandfather's day. A, there were a couple things you didn't do. A, you didn't talk about politics in a in a uh, communal uh, forum. Politics right. was reserved for political times, p- for political uh, places. So you would go to the community uh, where politics was the, you know, the, the issue of the day was 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 the issue, and you talked about it. The nightly news did not cover politics like it does today. But That's basically, true. the nightly news is nothing but politics now. Uh, also, um, well, no, the nightly news is pushing their particular brand of politics. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> and you uh, you you didn't tell who you voted for. Uh, you, who you voted for was your own personal business, and, and it was it was guarded secret uh, for most folks. Uh, there wasn't this this need to let everybody know what your opinion was because nobody cared. Um, Everybody minded their own business uh, for the most part. And then thirdly, uh, there was a, there was a sanctity to certain political offices. So your local representatives were much more accessible. um, And so they were, you know, the people that you could, um, that you could go to if you had a uh, problem. Uh, it's supposed to be that way today, but of course, 
uh, we've gotten to the point now where people can just ignore emails um, and you know nobody's showing up at their local office to uh, to corner them on why an issue isn't being taken care of. Uh, but when it came to presidents, uh, senators, uh, other folks, there was a certain um, air of respect and dignity that uh, that was idolized. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, even though you might not agree with the president, he was the president, and you would uh, you you know you would be danged if anybody was gonna. Uh, well, look at Ronald Reagan when when the uh, the Democrats really didn't like Ronald Reagan when uh, when the attempted assassination uh, occurred, everybody gathered behind him. I, I fear that, had, that, that if that occurred today, that would not be the case. Right. Um, I, I it, agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, our entire culture, based on our ability to get in our small little Facebook and, and social media enclaves and have our have our little uh, dog fights uh, where where we're actually not hearing an opposing view. We're just arguing and building up our our uh, personal uh, selfish whatever you want to call it, ego, yeah. our political ego. That is what drives everything nowadays. Nobody's changing their minds. Nobody's. Well, let me not say nobody. Well, yeah. Most folks aren't changing their minds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let, me, are... let me stop you right there because the it's it's interesting, and I, here's why I think people aren't necessarily changing their minds, um, and that's because of this. And I'm going to use a, a famous Obama word here. Okay, um, I, I I witnessed this firsthand as my own personal politics began to evolve. Um. And that's that's Obama's word, evolution, right? He evolved on his own political views, he said. Right. Um, I began to evolve in my political views. Uh, let me, I'll just give you for an example. So uh, this is a really hot topic, one, um, abortion. Right. Um, so, uh, like I said, I went before the Senate, State House, got up there um, and, and let them know that personhood uh, was the only way to end abortion, that abortion was murder, and that we needed to just, you know, that all women that were having abortions were murderers, and uh, and that by passing this law that people would um, effectively become by-law murderers if they got an abortion. Um, I don't... My views on that haven't necessarily changed. Right. The, right? Your, your principal stance on abortion has not changed. What's your argument? Right. Because here's what happened. I, uh, this happened maybe a year ago. I put something out there about abortion that kind of upset some of my previous supporters, right? I said, and here's the thing is what I said and what I'm about to tell you uh, was a very neither going one way or the other. But here's what I said. I just said um, both sides of the abortion fight think they're doing something good for somebody else. Yep. So on I the conservatives, that. yeah. So on the conservative side, everybody is fighting for the unborn child. Everybody on the liberal side is fighting for the mother. Both sides think that they are supporting another individual and their rights. Right? So in their minds and their political worldview, they believe um that they are doing a good thing. Um what I said then was, 
is it possible that both sides have part of the picture, but neither side has the whole picture? And you would have thought that I came out as pro-choice and ready to you know, stand with Planned Parenthood and go into these uh, clinics and encourage girls to get abortion. Um, that's not what I said. Exactly. You were asking a a question to 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 better understand your place, your your stance. I, people have such a difficult time with. Uh, I don't want to call it nuance because it's not nuance. It's it's better understanding another human being. Right, it's um, being willing to to put yourself in their shoes and see it from their perspective. You may not agree with the perspective. Well, it's scary because what if you do? Uh, that's that's what a <laughs> lot of people end up thinking. They think, take for instance those that are pro-life. We know that life is is uh, life is of the utmost importance to God. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that goes to the first point, that, that God is our primary objective. Most people think it's, it's the child. Well, it's not, actually. It's actually God. It's God's, uh, God's intent. Um, so, yes, I, people think we're loopy for, for, mm-hmm. for believing in God. Well, then, problem with our view. And, and that's another, nobody's ever going to completely agree with us. Right. Um, just go ahead and get that get that out of the way. Right. If you if you think you're going to make everybody agree with you, then I hate it for you. You're going to live a life of absolute misery. It's right. just not going to happen. So, you know that from my Facebook posts. Yeah. <laughs> there there are people yeah. that that there are people that are that I grew up with or or that I grew around that have different very different worldviews from me. They are not Christians. So God's, uh, the sanctity of life under God's view is irrelevant to them. Right. It, it is not, it is not their purview. And so they cannot, so they're, from the very start, we have two totally different views on the issue of abortion. Right. Two very so, different starting points. Right. So they they look at um, the scientific studies that purport to support their view that says that life, that the actual cognitive reasoning of a child does not begin until the third trimester. Well, we look at the scientific evidence that shows that there is cellular activity and the development of the child from the very beginning, that is the foundational structure of life. That that is a living being that will inherit a soul and continue on from there to be a functional part of society. Yeah. Um, that that is our view under the view of God. So so we're already coming at it two totally different perspectives. Um, so we get dismissed. Very many times, because as soon as they hear God, they're out. So we spend all this time trying to figure out how to make our sound better. 
to to appease them. And so these people, like you're talking about, they get so bent out of shape because there is no way, there is no way to separate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, logically, I can make a case for cells in a human being being life, but they can also make a case cells in a human being under their definition of the difference between the mother's life and the child's life is not the same thing. So yes. Right. And her, and you and I had that discussion. We, we, yeah. we discussed that. Yeah, we did, I, get, and... I understand where they're coming from. I am vehemently against where they're coming from, but I understand it. Right. Um, and if I were in their shoes, I'd be making the same argument. But yeah. I'm not yeah. in their shoes. <laughs> yeah. And with, you know, when I posted that and, and the, I got the response that I got, um, you know, my, my whole reason behind saying that is that you were talking about people being unwilling to change their minds. And I think it's because they're afraid that if they do and they voice it, that they're going to get responses like I got. Right. That, that is part of the case. But, it, but it's also like I was saying, when you come from a point of view, where you're, you've already established something, if you even begin to, uh, like, for instance, if one of these folks I'm talking about, if they tried to see it my way at all, they would, ha- they would be acquiescing to everything I believe. That, that's, that's what they think it equates to. And, and right. the same thing from, from our side of things, those people that refuse to, uh, to have a functional conversation with people on the other side, they think if they do, that they're just throwing out um, everything that they believe. They think that they're going to, that if they even entertain the smallest idea of, of cohesiveness mm-hmm. and agreement, that they are uh, just, just spitting in God's face. And that's just not true. Uh, there is, it's funny because you brought up apologetics the other day <laughs> in your Facebook post, but apologetics is a lot of that. Apologetics is a lot of, um, it it parts of apologetics do delve into uh, politics. Uh, apologetics is primarily for the the scientific breakdown uh, in both a social and a, a physical science aspect of the, the things of scripture. But um, but there is a political aspect to it, and. Uh, it's funny because people are all about the scientific and, uh, and uh, uh, what was the other one I just said? I'm having my ADHD moment. <laughs> um, those, those fundamental aspects of apologetics, but when it comes to the political side of it, they run away as fast as they possibly can. Yeah. Because they don't want to have those discussions because they're afraid of where it may lead. And to me, it's a little... I'm going to say this carefully because I don't want people getting their britches in a, in a bunch, but uh, it's a like, lack of faith in a lot of cases. It's a lack of faith in that what, you, what you're saying in, uh, in founded in what God's word is accurate or that you're afraid that you're not going to be able to defend it and you, you don't want to lose the argument. Well, guess right. what? Sometimes you will lose the argument. Jesus Christ was the savior of the world, and he was crucified. He was crucified despite the fact that standing before Herod, there was no no legitimate evidence, no legitimate uh, crime 
that he had pilot? committed. Or pilot, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Herod was his birth. Yes, yes. <laughs> See, I'm having that moment. <laughs> See, I, I, I say something stupid, and it's like, uh, you know, move on. Uh, I, I'm okay with that. It's okay to say something stupid every now. It is. I um, forgive you, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he had, he, he was completely in the right, um, and yet he still died uh, being crucified as wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what we're afraid of. Why? Why are we so afraid of that? Speak your voice. Speak the truth that is founded in Scripture and be unapologetic for it. Be loving in how you deliver it. Uh, politics is so angry right now. It is so nasty. Our president is a terrible example of Christian grace when it comes to uh, speaking uh, to the opposite side. Yeah, he's been wronged. Guess what? That sucks. That's life. Everybody's been wrong. Um, you move on. You don't get to, del- to dwell in that and sulk in it like a child. You don't get to throw out uh, uh, nasty words and uh, angry comments toward other people just because. You stand above it. That's what you do. Um, right. he, he is very much. Um, and I have, uh, let's just hit on that for just a second. Uh, the, the Christian right, as it's called, which I don't like that term. <laughs> Christian right is not a political organization. Well, you have Christian right and you have Christian wrong. <laughs> Christian well, wrong is clearly the liberals. Duh. <laughs> it's like either you're going by scripture or you're not. That, that <laughs> takes up for this president. You, you and I, I'll call you out. You and I didn't vote, didn't vote for the That's true. Uh, I did. We, we also didn't vote for the Democrat candidate. I voted for Daryl Castle of the Constitution Party. And I voted for uh, uh, Gary Johnson. I'm no, <laughs> I voted for. Uh, uh, holy cow! If you wouldn't have asked me, Tom um, Steyer. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured with all of his uh, political ads lately that maybe you know you voted for him back oh, then. Gosh, if you wouldn't have Tom starts with an H. Holland. No. Ah, jeez. I clearly uh, don't know who the guy is, so I feel like an idiot. But anyway, he's a constitutional conservative. Sure. Um, <laughs> was he with the American Party or the uh, not constitutional American Party? party. Uh, that was Daryl Castle. Um, no, he was the other. Uh, there, there's another party Hoffling. similar to the oh, Constitution Hoffling. Party. Oh, Tom Hoefling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's who I voted for. Yeah. Um, I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. He and I, he and I have talked a little bit. He's he's an interesting dude. Yeah. But that was that he was my vote for president in the, in the race, and and the primary reason was, um, well, a couple things. One, I got tired of hearing folks say we have to vote for the safe bet because Hillary can't win. Um, people oh, kept I hate making, that argument. Right, people kept making excuses for excuses for voting for Donald Trump. And as they as they made their excuses, they they dug in deeper and deeper to the point where there are many out there now that are like uh, uh 
Donald Trump is God's called man to do this. He's the listen, Trump of the Lord. Uh, well, listen, you're <laughs> you're you're right, but guess what? So was Nero. Oh. And and when when Paul wrote what Paul wrote in Romans thirteen about honoring um, uh, the those who God has put into right for honoring the rulers and and uh, that that was during Nero's time. So Paul wasn't saying it was going to be a happy occasion. So people need to be very careful about their attributions to the people that they vote for. Yeah. Because God uh, God to actually told Nebuchadnezzar that Nebuchadnezzar was God's intended per, uh, person in power. Sure. Cyrus time. was the same. Right. And he, he, he was there for judgment. Plain and simple. And we are not, we are not separate from We are not. We're not a new Israel. We're not, but God judges all nations. Yep. All nations. Uh, the Bible is very clear on that. And so we need to be very careful what we attribute God uh, to when it comes to our leaders. Sure. I would agree. And, you know, I think about like, um, you know, one of the, one of the more interesting books when it comes to uh, believers and how they deal with the government and power. I I'm always drawn back to the book of Daniel. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so you got the three boys. You got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You got Daniel. Um, all of these guys were Israelites who were all followers of God. You know, the first real like conflict happens when Nebuchadnezzar builds you know, the golden statue and wants everybody to worship it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, um, no. Um, yep. And here's why. And they say why. And they said, you know, they actually, they honored him, right? And then well, they Well, I was going to say, back that up a little. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they took their Babylonian names. Yep. They, they um, th those were not their original names. Those were not right. their Jewish names. I can't they, pronounce their original They names. honored, yeah, I know, it's actually harder than, but they honored um, Nebuchadnezzar. They honored the Babylonian structure of government to the T up until that point. They were, they were uh, uh, very esteemed because of how, um, how gracious and respectful that they were. Right, and they um, told him, they said, we're not going to bow down, and, and our God will rescue yes, us, and even if he can. doesn't, yeah. We're still not doing it. He throws them into the fire. Um, and oh, then, and keep in mind they weren't. They weren't. Let's back that up because the way you said it, it sounds like they were. They weren't. They they were. They were like, look, we can't. We can't do that. Right. God's over you, and and you know, although you're, we can't. We can't do it. <laughs> right. And so he punishes them. <laughs> um, yeah. But they, God rescues them, and he's blown away by it. And as a result, he actually promotes them yep. um, within the government there. Um, and then the same thing happens with Daniel, right? And so yep. uh, Daniel uh, interprets his dreams and all these things, and he gets promoted to basically um, one of his right-hand men. Exactly. And you don't see in Daniel him disrespecting Nebuchadnezzar, or saying, not my president or not my king. Nope. Um, you know, he acknowledged his place and... Oh, and keep uh, in mind, uh, Daniel, I mean, 
you talk about that. Daniel didn't get Daniel. Daniel didn't have a say. Daniel was ripped from his home and taken to Babylon. Right. So he was effectively a slave who then exactly. gets promoted to governor, basically. Exactly. Um, and then he goes so far as to, um, you know, clearly he was he he was favored. Um, in the eyes of God, and God was showing him favor through Nebuchadnezzar to the point where others got jealous of him. Um, and then they sought to um, destroy Daniel by outlawing prayer to anybody but Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, basically in the face of that, goes up into his upper room and opens his windows and prays from there. It's like he's basically saying, uh, no, not gonna, I'm not going to do it. You know, there's only one God and I'm praying to him and it's not Nebuchadnezzar, um, you know, and then they had passed a law of what the punishment would be. And then they go and they tell Nebuchadnezzar, hey, somebody's broken this law. And he's like, well, he needs to be punished. And they're like, and it's Daniel. And it actually grieved Nebuchadnezzar to do it. Exactly. Um, because and he was being challenged, right? He was being challenged by Daniel for a law that he had signed off on. And it grieved him because I believe that Daniel had lived in such a way that was honoring, respectful. It, and he, I dare say that that was not the first time that Daniel had challenged some things of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but the way that he did it, the way he approached it, clearly earned some respect in the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar. Absolutely. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar follows through with it because he doesn't want to be seen as somebody who doesn't hold his laws. <laughs> um, Again, God rescues Daniel, um, and then Nebuchadnezzar himself shows up to make sure that to see if Daniel survived the night. Yeah, and when and when he sees that Daniel, Daniel's, are you are you there? <laughs> yeah, and he sees that Daniel's safe, and he breathes a, a sigh of relief, pulls Daniel out, and then throws in the other guys <laughs> as a response. That's right. And again. All Daniel did was say, I'm not going to follow the law that says that I have to pray to you. That's all he did. Let's, un and, let's unpack that a little because, okay. Yeah. We, we live in a different society where we're, we're capable of, that shows the danger of being um, at the whim of uh, others. Nebuchadnezzar would have never passed the law if he knew, or never would have agreed to that law if he knew that it was going to lead to Daniel doing that. Right. Uh, so that in the first place, having the wrong representation is, is, is something we can The second thing is that um, Daniel didn't kick and scream and pitch a fit and demand angrily. Injustice. Hey, you're that. being, you're treating me unjustly. Right, right. Because, because he, he just did. He stuck to his, to his guns on it. And thirdly, Nebuchadnezzar was 100% in the right because uh, he was impartial in his application of the law. Though he loved Daniel and he right. grieved him, he was impartial in his application of the law. As much as he was not a man of God, he actually did the right thing in that case. And God honored all of that mm -hmm. through, through that process. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a very fascinating study of the Christian life in a hostile government. Right. Because, you know, and, and some people want to use that, you know, what would you have done if you were in a position of Nazi Germany, right? 
and they start bringing up people like Bonhoeffer, oh, which, man. you know, that gets into a whole new realm of, of oppression. I mean, everything that the Nazi government did just about was purely out of, of hate. Well, that, that is a, it's actually a scenario altogether, and it goes to Bonhoeffer's great struggle. Yeah. Uh, that to allow evil to perpetuate is is not a Christian's call. The Christian is responsible to try to stop evil. Right. And, and so, so it, you know, when, when it came to Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, that was a strictly uh, them thing. It wasn't right. a great injustice done against a people that were going to die for it. Right. Because what the Babylonians had done was, is while they had indeed uh, taken into captivity the Israelites, A, they did it under God's allowance, right? Yep. Uh, God allowed it. God said it was going to happen. He told them, and it was as a result of Israel's own decisions um, and behaviors. Uh, yep. So they kind of put themselves in that position to begin with. But, um, you know, Babylon generally, even though they enslaved them, they also... Yeah, they still. I mean, I mean, how many how many slaves do you know of that got put into position of becoming somebody who was an official in the government? Right. Well, you go even further, and you go look at Nehemiah. I mean, uh, Israel was built, rebuilt, basically under Babylon. So, right, Cyrus, who was the exactly. Babylonian king at that time. So, that that's not that's not in. And I know somebody's gonna be like, so you support slavery? No, that's nope. not what I'm saying. Please don't. Apples hear. and oranges, exactly. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is that. Um, the environment was different from, say, Nazi Germany, which Nazi Germany existed to exterminate an entire group of people. That did not happen under Babylonian rule. They didn't exterminate Jews. Um, no, fact, no. They let some of them still live back at home. Um, the ones that they brought to Babylon were ones that they thought were would, would be strong and beneficial to their government. Exactly. Um, and that's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were chosen, right? They were chosen yeah. because they were strong, healthy-looking guys, and they would benefit the armies and the various uh, endeavors of the Babylonian Empire. Yep. Uh, that was not the case in Nazi Germany. They put them in concentration camps, and they, they, the ones that were healthy, they put into slave labor, and everybody else they tried to exterminate. Yep. Um, it, it is very different, but again, this is not trying to, to compare the two, but just to say... You know, uh, I could see how people would use something like Daniel to suggest that the response that a lot of Christians were doing in Nazi Germany was acceptable, which was silence. Yeah. Um, their behavior was not acceptable. Um, it just wasn't. I mean, you're watching. There was no secret about what was going on in Germany over there. Exactly. Every, everybody knew. And if you said you didn't, you were a liar. Um. Because, I mean, you can't watch literally 700,000 people disappear over one day and, or even the course of a week and, and not think something bad is going on right now. Um, the reality was is there was a lot of autism going on. There was a lot of um, just general nationalism that was driving them pride. Um, and, and for the ones that, that didn't, I mean... It, it, there was great fear, um, you know. Think oh yeah, if, think if I, spoke, if, I might end up in the camps too. Right, exactly. Think if well, not only that, 
even if you didn't, you would lose it all. I mean, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna come to your business, uh, so you're gonna lose your income. Uh, nobody's gonna want to give you a mortgage or rent you a house. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, essentially, you are a an alien living in your own country. Oh yeah, uh, and and the, the the fear there was real. That doesn't justify anything. But that was the situation, that case. Yeah. Uh, to give a little bit more perspective, you know, people think that we're sitting pretty. We we know that times are going to come, and we will be faced. Well, we won't. Yeah. By the grace of God, we won't be here. But many will be faced with the same kind of persecution and and issues that uh, that we're talking about regarding the Jews in Nazi Germany. Sure. Uh, now, and I hate bringing up Nazi Germany in general just because it's always the... the oh, yeah, the go-to. The, the conversation <laughs> ender, right? You're a Nazi. And, and I'm not at all suggesting that America is in a position where we are Nazi Germany. Um, oh, listen. Uh, we have a long way to go to get to that place. Yeah, people, people want to equate everything that's happening. It's not the same. Um, the the pieces are not even in place. We talk about free people. People like to stir things up. Could could there be a world free at some point? Absolutely. No. Will there be? Maybe. Uh, will it happen tomorrow? Absolutely not. There are a lot of things that have to fall into place uh, that that aren't there for something like that to happen. So hmm. try to think think soberly about these things when you're discussing them with people so that so that you don't get dragged into the the but because getting dragged into the how you end up uh getting away from the real issues at hand i mean it's okay it's okay to voice your we live in a democratic republic where we are allowed to voice our feelings i mean it's it's a wonderful amazing time it's also an aggravating time mm-hmm. we we have the full power and authority vested in us by the government to say what we want to say when we want to say it, as long as we're not citing a riot. Um, and we can we can use that, and we should use that to bring sober-minded biblical views on things to our world. And the reason for that is not because we're better than anybody. But God is better than anybody. We know that his purpose and his way, as established in Scripture, is perfect. If we would have followed it from the beginning, we wouldn't be in this divisive situation that we're in now. Uh, But, of course, we're selfish brats, and we have to have everything in our way. So, here we are. It's American exceptionalism, man. (laughs) Well, it's... It's just human nature in general. Everybody thinks that their way is the best way. Uh, sure. That's the that's that's the that's one of the antithesis of the Christian life right. is that we say no. We actually know that we're wrong, and so in order to be right, we have to be under God's under well not under under yeah under God's law. Right. So I have I have kind of a final question here that I think we can kind of end end on. I feel like I've been all over the place because there's so <laughs> that you can't that you can't get it all. Like it, 
the pieces are just scattered so greatly, but there is, and I think the general consensus is that we are a divided people. Um, there seems to be a lack of decorum, a lack of respect, a lack of the ability to speak and disagree um, about politics. You know, uh, you're almost guaranteed to start a fire if you bring up politics. Um, so, you know, just with that in mind, I think like, okay, what's the way forward? How do we how, how do we get to a better place as a people where we can have these conversations politically, morally, whatever, and not uh, incite a riot? Um, I think obviously that's probably a a two sided coin that requires both sides to cooperate. But you know, I think we as Christians can potentially lead the way in that, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of good behavior from Christians in this department. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, the anger breeds anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to remember the verse in Proverbs. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Verse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Proverbs 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Um, we, in our dealings with uh, one another, we are, we need to keep that very much in mind. Uh, we need to be solid in our stand for righteousness. But at the same time, we need to be careful about how we present. We need to not be attacking the person. We need to be attacking the issue. So, right, which, which I saw. Okay, so you say that, and that just makes me think of an example I saw on um, a, a friend of mine's. He posted something about Nancy Pelosi. He said, "I'm not sure she's going to make it through this debate." <laughs> right. Or not through the debate. It was through the um, the state, state of the of union. union. <laughs> he said, "I don't." He goes, "I don't think she's going to make it through this because he was just yeah, watching her body language." Yeah. She's not now. She was angry. She's tearing up the speech, you know. Um, and then somebody jumped on there and basically said she's she's a hideous witch, um, you know, and maybe she'll die of a stroke or something like that. Wow! Right. And then this person goes on to claim that they're a Christian, and they're saying this about Nancy Pelosi. And I'm like, look, I don't even like Nancy Pelosi personally. Um, I think her politics stink. Um, but that's pretty harsh, right? And she got called out about it by another friend of mine. And she basically, um, Matthew 18 does. And she sent wow. both of And I kind of jumped in on there. I was like, yeah, I think, you know, you're kind of overboard with this, this response. And she private messaged both of us and basically told us that we were not allowed to, um, uh, to correct older people. Um, and that they, that we had that we had to address her like a motherly figure, and she wow. was using the scripture from Titus, or I think it's Titus or Timothy. Um, and, and I'm sitting there going, "What? How twisted do you have to be um, to use scripture like that to support your just blatant, you know, disgusting behavior towards another person?" Yeah, that's messed up. That's very messed up. <laughs> that is not. That is and antithetical what scripture actually speaks of talks about dealing with people yes 
Um, you know, right, I mean, the derail. You, it just made me think when you said that that you know I've just recently see this type of behavior, and and so I'm looking at. It, I'm like, we Christians can't even engage in this world without you know speaking in such nasty ways about other people that we don't agree with. So we're expecting the world to do something that we believers won't even do. You you want a prime example about supposed to deal with this? Um, look at First Samuel. You told me today y'all were looking at that book and look at how David dealt with Saul. Yeah. David was very careful. He said, I will not harm God's anointed. He had two chances to kill Saul as Saul was chasing him and he could have killed him both uh, when he was in the cave uh, taking a, a little potty break and then uh, <laughs> then the second time when they were asleep in the encampment. Yeah. Um, but he made sure that he did not, he, he respected Saul's place. As a matter of fact, it even when he cut the piece off of his rope. Um, that is the approach that we should have in dealing with other people. We should approach it from a place of grief. Um, I have a friend of mine who... Like, I've, I thought you were going to say we should go cut a piece of their clothes off. <laughs> hold it up and say, I could have killed you. <laughs> that's assault under our current law. For could have killed you, but as a good Christian boy, I just cut your clothes off. <laughs> uh, I always carry a pocket knife just for that. That's right. Um, but uh, no, she. I've spoken of her before. We are very, uh, we have very staunch disagreements with the spectrum. Primarily, her take on welfare and the government's responsibility in caring for people versus individual responsibility and so on. Um, mm -hmm. That she is a Christian. She is a Democrat. Uh, I am a conservative. I'm. I won't say I'm a Republican because party is not what it was. I'm a conservative, and my views and her views are polar opposites, but we both love the Lord. She lives that out in dealing with disenfranchised, um, and uh, I respect greatly her heart for minority folks in very, very bad neighborhoods. I mean, she lives, lives with them specifically to reach out to them as one of them, not see how I'm saying them yeah that is the opposite of how she she is we you know we and uh and I respect that greatly we have very differing views uh when there's a disagreement I ask myself a couple things one is our argument about it going to do anything is it is it going to matter mm -hmm. or or is it just going to be an argument uh, and number two, because I respect, I respect her as a sister. And number two, um, is, is what I'm saying an attack on her? Or is it an attack? Is it not, an, it not even an attack? Is it just a presentation of the opposing side of this issue? That in? Uh, and some, sometimes the answer is yes. And a lot of times the answer is no. We need to make our Christian voice heard you know, when it comes to the principles of our nation. You know, our nation was established primarily as a, as a Judeo-Christian nation. Alexis de Tocqueville 
Mm-hmm. And he came mm-hmm. over to to study democracy to see what was different about the United States and why it was the way that it was. He acknowledged that the, that it was impossible to separate our government from our faith. That the establishment of our was rooted in our um, and so um, he, he identified that as a as a critical factor, um, and and we've forgotten that over time. We should not, as Christians, forget that. We should um, engage the political process, as you, as your question was, how do we go forward in that? We should engage it with respect toward our fellow human beings, and not just our brothers and sisters in Christ, because. Our hope is that at any given time, those that we're engaging that aren't will become brothers and sisters in Christ. That's our primary function, is to spread the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. That is our first and foremost. It is not engaging in government to make the United States a better Christian nation. That is not our primary focus. Our primary, primary focus is to be good disciples, to make good disciples. That is our primary focus, first and foremost. Right. So everything we do aside from primary objective, regardless. Now, we, of course, want to make a better place for our children. Absolutely. And that's why we're passionate about these things, because we care about those around us. And when we see those around us that are falling sin, we know what the, what the root cause is, and we know that there's a better way out of that, and we try to legislate it. We come from a good place, but the reality is we live in a fallen world, simple and as much as this nation was founded on Christian principles, the nation is Christian. I hate it. I actually don't like the term Christian nation because there's no such thing as a Christian nation. That would mean that all Christians uh, make our own country. That, that, that's a Christian nation. So we have to be careful about how we approach that. Right. Stand true to our, to our principles based in scripture, do it respectfully, do it aggressively. Uh, yeah, I say that from a point of, look at Peter, not, not young Peter. Peter. <laughs> look at older Peter, look at Paul. Um, Paul's a good example of the wrong way to do something and the right way to do something. Paul's argument with Mark, wrong way to do something. Right. Paul's aggressiveness uh, for the court in Rome, the right way to do something. Uh, it, it, it's done with respect, but it's done with, with the utmost clarity and, and focused on righteousness. Right. I would lean on 1 Peter 3.15 um, in, just in that same vein. Uh, you know, be willing to you know, talk about the issues and be prepared to make a defense, as uh, Peter 3.15 says, to, to be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Absolutely. You know, and, and now he's talking about the gospel, right? But if we're Christians and, you know, we're engaging in the political process, we're engaging in it because our hope is that, um, you know, the gospel would win out. Not Absolutely. as a political ideology, but because of uh, of an internal purpose, and uh, so we do it with a higher purpose in mind. More, like you said, it's it's more than just making America great again. It's making ourselves 
humble before God. And then, you know, being willing to give a defense for why this is so important to us, right? Why is this gospel so important to us that we stand up, you know, for these things, you know, engage, engage in the hot topics with a bit more grace. Oh yeah. With a bit Uh, more understanding. Keep it, keep in mind, we're fighting uh, Ephesians 6, 12, fighting against forces. You know, they want us to make the wrong moves in these cases. Uh, we should we should fight for the widow and the orphan a lot of times and talk ourselves out of that uh, because of other issues. Uh, yeah, you know we should have a true heart for those that are hurting and those that are that are the disenfranchised. The key term now, um, it, it matters. You know, it, legal immigration. It's not it's not a black and white issue. There is a lot. Of Pray that the Christian world, the Christian American, needs to pray over. It's not. It's not just easy. <laughs> it's not no. as easy. Um, no, it's don't, not. Don't expect it to be. Don't. It's just like Brad said about in, in the verse in First Peter: "Be prepared to make a defense. Think it over. Pray, pray, pray." Pray, pray. Praying and, is not. And the just response about can't talk. just be because Hillary. Exactly, exactly. Praying can't. <laughs> praying is is not just about listening. So make that. You game. mean like having a conversation where one person talks? <laughs> exactly. The whole time, and you just sit there and. Oh, and I'm a, I'm I'm preaching the choir here because I'm <laughs> I am a bad. Bad, uh, bad habit of mine. Let me dump it all out there, and then I'll go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I get it. Uh, all right. Well, I think we've we've run the gamut. Uh, we could probably go a lot longer, um, but I think people might pass out on us. Um, uh, let's let's uh, finish it like we like we should. A good state of the year. God bless America. God bless America. And the sound that you're about to hear, shh, that was me tearing your speech. Good. Good. <laughs> I'll make you another copy. <laughs> I'm looking straight at the camera. <laughs> no. Sorry, I couldn't help but bring it, bring it around to that. Um, the circus that is American politics. Um, so, I think we need that music. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, um, we will bring this to a close. Uh, you know, there's so much more that could be said. Maybe we'll have some other episodes down the road where we kind of breach other topics. Uh, I think we needed it. We need to. We need to address individual topics as they come. For instance, about abortion. You know. You yeah. and John, you and uh, Brian's involvement. Oh yeah, and, and and your growth, not only your involvement, but your growth in your views um, from uh, the front line is is important to address as well. Oh yeah, because you know the that topic along with other topics are important to 
us as believers. And right. this and is like, just a brush across the surface, and there's a lot of deep. Right, and and our job isn't, or our intent isn't to get into debates about you know what's a more pro-life approach or this or that. It's right. just to talk about you know what we believe and what we're seeing and how we ought to how we ought to approach it just in general. Um, but that's just one of a million topics we could probably hit. So, oh yes. Anyway, well, we really appreciate you guys hanging in there. Hopefully, if uh, politics isn't your thing, maybe the next episode will be. But uh, as we talk about how to make fruitcakes, that's right. We're going to watch the Great British Baking Show, and we are going to create critique um, <laughs> the various recipes that are presented. Um, and we're going to pray that Mary Berry comes back one day. And, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did love me some Mary Berry. Uh, but anyway, really appreciate you guys listening in. As uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, quick shout out. Uh, go check out the Salty Dogs podcast. Great couple of guys there. Uh, more will be uh, heard from them, I'm sure, uh, in the future. Check out their website, saltydogspodcast.com. Check out our website at eagerfortruth.com where you can catch up on all of our past episodes, read our blogs. Uh, take a deeper dive into the mind that is the Anger Christian Podcast um, and learn a bit more about, you know, us and and just the various views that we may hold um, and engage with us uh, on Facebook, social media, Instagram, Twitter. We are out there. Find us. And more importantly, don't be angry. I want to say a huge thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Robert Platt, Michael Ledford, and Brian Baldwin for taking the journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for his song, Angry Dance, and to Scott Holmes for his song, Clear Progress, that we use at the beginning and the end of the show. All other music is produced by the Angry Christian crew. And finally, the show wouldn't be possible without you, our listeners. Thank you for taking the journey with us.